Welcome to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. We have a heart for you, sister, and a God-sized vision that you become a mighty, awe-filled woman of God who knows, believes, and shares God's Word in your areas of influence. And so we fervently pray Colossians 3, 16 through 17 over you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right. Welcome back to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. I am um, your host, Bethany, and this is season four, um, our Transform series. So just a reminder, the goal of this series is to reflect on how God has transformed our lives and our view of himself through his word. So today I'm sitting here in the Kettering Moran Library with my new friend, Mandy. So I'm going to give her the chance to share a little bit about what this season of life looks like for her, and she'll just kind of take it from there, talking about how God's been transforming her view of himself. So Mandy, why don't you tell our guests a little bit about yourself? Hello, my name's Mandy. I um, am married to my husband, John, for almost eight years now, and we're not from here originally. My husband is active duty in the Air Force. So that's what brought us to Dayton, to Wright Pat Air Force Base, about two and a half years ago now. And we're a part of Apex. We've been there since we moved, and I help him lead a house church, uh, which if you're not with Apex, that's what we call our community groups. Um, What else about me? I'm a physical therapist, and I work in an outpatient clinic in Inglewood, and I love what I get to do there, working with my patients. Um, I'm also pregnant. We're due in June with our first baby, little boy on the way, and we're also on the waiting list in the process for a possible adoption placement, which I'll talk a lot more about. Well, that, that there's a lot going on. I'm excited to hear just how the Lord's been working through all of those kind of different areas, and I'm sure you're, I'm sure you have a lot to share with us today. Um, so we'll just go ahead and dig right in. Um, so just tell us about a particular pas- passage of scripture that's got that God has used either to transform your life or and or your view of Himself. Yes, um, the passage I'll read is John four thirty six. And I'll start reading a couple verses before that in John 4, 34. So just the background, Jesus was teaching. He had just seen the woman at the well and his disciples are saying, hey, shouldn't someone bring him something to eat? And Jesus said, don't worry about the food. So verse 34, he said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Now, and the word now is added by me for emphasis there at the end. Um, So what this verse means to me, Jesus is reminding his disciples, don't focus on the earthly things and the plans that you guys have. Um, This is about we need laborers 
for the harvest and we need them now and that the eternal fruit is really the most important thing uh, that we should be focused on. So what um, do you feel that that passage, what, what was the kind of the context, I guess, that really has helped this passage be more meaningful to you now? Yes. Um, really, I think over the past couple of years, God has just brought me back to this verse and really just worked powerfully in my life through it. Um, so a little background story, I guess. We had just moved to the area in 2015, and I was just really struggling with adjusting to everything being new and uh, dealing with some pretty bad anxiety that I've dealt with off and on over the years. So where I was in my prayer life and in my time in the Word was really just looking for comfort and and reassurance through that tough time. Um, so I really wasn't studying and looking for a challenge or a verse like this. Sorry, Dayton women in the <laughs> Word. Um, God just really grabbed my attention. I was sitting at church at Apex and one of our elders was speaking about um, missions he's involved with in India. So I didn't even have out my notebook, which I'm usually a big note taker. Um, so I was just kind of sitting back and God just hit me with it. Um, so Rennes was speaking about a missions movement and orphan care, just lots of different discipleship opportunities going on in India and kept mentioning God's sovereignty in our stories. Um, and I really just from that whole service uh, felt God saying that he's writing my story the way he is on purpose, that he's pursuing me and it's for his purposes to point others to him, um, even when things are tough or even when it's not the way that I would write my story to go if it were up to me. So at that time, um, I just had a really hardened heart against the idea of having or raising kids ever. That's just where I was, mm -hmm. and for a variety of reasons, just the anxiety I dealt with. Um, I really care a lot about my career and the years that it took me to get mm -hmm. my degree and where I am. Um, and then just some cancer that runs in my family and having to deal with uh, my mom dying from that mm -hmm. a few years before. It was just something that I had decided, no, this is going to be too hard. I'm just going to mm -hmm. skip that, that route of having kids. So when we first moved here and started going to a house church, there were probably 10 to 12 little kids, like five and under, running around, which was a little overwhelming at first. And I literally remember thinking to myself, oh, great, this is going to make my husband John want to have kids really bad, and we're <laughs> going to have to talk about this again. Um, and God just really started using those families and getting to know some of those mamas to start softening my heart towards, hey, maybe this is tough sometimes, mm. but uh, to see all the good and the, the sanctification that can come out of the, the process of having and raising babies. Um, so it had started with, with getting to know those families, but this day sitting at Apex, I just felt an overwhelming um, presence of God just speaking to me. Um, I couldn't stand up at the end to sing, so I'm just sitting there in the pew crying and praying, and my husband had a, a similar experience that day. So we prayed together right after, and um, I just felt like I felt God telling me, mm -hmm. you're going to be a mom, and you're going to adopt, and that he would give me the strength to do it because his power is made perfect in our weakness, and that this would be an opportunity for him to grow me and bring him glory through the process. Um, my husband was kind of hearing something different, which was interesting. He was hearing more of, what are you doing for the kingdom now? Mm -hmm. And thought maybe that meant missions. And we were involved with mission trips to the Dominican Republic. We've done once or twice a year for several years. 
So we really had to talk and pray through what exactly God was trying to get our attention with as far as what are we doing for mm-hmm. the kingdom. Um, a few months later, unexpectedly, we were involved in starting a new house church in our town, which wasn't something we were looking for or expecting um, because we were really happy where we were. So this was just part of the process of God um, just softening my heart mm-hmm. and getting us more thinking toward what he has us to do for the kingdom. So all through the next couple years, I just felt like God had changed my heart in this area of having kids and that he had given me the desire to start a family, which was a great thing, but it turned into I became extremely focused on having a biological baby now and just planning and timing everything out on my own. So we really had to pray through all the the what ifs and um, I'm trusting God with his his timeline and believing that his his plan and his timing is better than what we could come up with mm-hmm. on our own. Um, and there was a lot of disappointment because you pray and you decide, okay, let's have a baby and then it should happen the next month, right? <laughs> and that's not what happened for um, a little over a year. So there was just a lot of disappointment over not being pregnant. And I just really got down and got to the point where I was broken before God and just had to turn it over to him. Um, and I remember writing in my prayer journal and it's a little embarrassing that I was even to that point but I wrote I need God more than I need a baby Mm. and how silly that sounds now but that's just where I was of where my focus had gotten off of him and what really mattered so I just felt God draw me closer to him through that whole process and um, helping me let go of my desire to control my circumstances um, and trust in him so Last year, I got the idea from a friend to pick a verse for the year, and the verse that God kept pointing me to was um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which sounds a little simple and like Sunday school, but it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. So really, over the last year, He just helped me to not just believe that on a surface level of yes, I believe that I should trust in him, but just truly applying it daily through this um, season I was going through um, with the waiting process and just believing and now looking back, being able to see that he is faithful and we can find our contentment in him even when we don't understand what's going on and see what he's doing. Um, So through that time, I just prayed, God, give me new desires. Give me your desires not just to make myself comfortable and happy. Mm. And that was really where he turned my focus through his power. Um, So about a year later, the same elder spoke at church on the same passage in John 4, but I'll read the next couple verses too. So after he says, look, the fields are white for harvest, in verse 36, it says, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So through that verse, again, and just other ways God was working on us, um, my husband and I felt that God was calling us to pursue adoption um, and not to wait. The word now just it kind of inserted itself. And I don't know if Rennes said it or if God just put it in there or both, but... See that the fields are white for harvest now um, and not to rely on our timing or wait until it had been a certain length of time, but just to pursue adoption, that it wasn't 
our plan B and it wasn't our second best option, but it was just something that God had shown me through the years that was something he wanted for us. I just always thought it was later after we had had uh-huh. biological kids of our own. So we started researching and picked our agency, which is Choosing Hope Adoptions out of Springfield. Um, they do amazing work and you should look them up. <laughs> but we did paperwork and um, got through the application process and just felt like we were aligning with God's pace and his will, not the other way around. Because it just mm-hmm. truly felt like he had changed my heart and my desires um, to focus on this adoption So I was still holding on a little bit. I realized to this fear of, okay, what if we get pregnant and adopt at the same time? Mm -hmm. Because that would be a huge life shift and I would probably have to give up working. Mm -hmm. And I just was holding on to that little bit in the back of my head of, God, I trust you with all this, but just don't let this happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had a, a good friend remind me, completely called me out on it, that something she was learning too is that if you're doing something or avoiding something, out of fear that that's not from God mm. because God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Second um, Timothy 1 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Um, so I just really struggled with what's the difference in making wise decisions mm-hmm. for our family and uh, versus making decisions out of worry and fear. And through that time, I just felt God telling me that I needed to fully surrender everything that may be keeping me from fully following and trusting Jesus, um, that it says, trust him in all things. Mm -hmm. So I just felt that he was calling us to obey that, that call to adoption now, even though it didn't quite, might not make (laughs) sense. Um, so the next month we found out we were pregnant. Um, and I say that very carefully because I know there's somebody that could be mm. hearing this and I don't want you to hear me say have more faith or trust God and then mm. you'll get the things that you want yeah. um, because that was kind of the order that it worked as part of my story but that's not the way it goes in every story um, and I've wondered to myself okay what if I hadn't gotten pregnant would I still be sitting here saying mm. God is good and God is faithful and I hope that I would um, but just know that if you're still in that period of the waiting and not seeing um, God's answer or the answer that that you want. Just know that His grace is sufficient and that believing and trusting Him, even when it's hard, is just such a powerful thing because God has a plan and uh, His timing are better than anything we could come up with on our own. And that was just really the the big thing that He um, drew me to to see through this Mm -hmm. whole time. Um, Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. God is a good God and he is faithful. And if you're in that period of waiting or not seeing the results, um, I'll just encourage you that he, he is still there even when we can't see it and don't understand it. So, um, everyone (laughs) would tell them we're pregnant. Their first question is, well, what about the adoption? You're not doing that now, right? (laughs) And at first, when we found out, um, I said we had to tell our our agency, let's put this on hold. Mm -hmm. We need to think this through. And it was a combination of I was pregnant and my husband just started a PhD program at that time. So there were just a lot of questions, (laughs) and we had to really pray and seek God's will about are we supposed to continue this. And over the last six months or so, I won't say there 
aren't times where I've questioned and, and mm-hmm. panicked and thought, wait, hold on. Um, but we just have just felt God calling us to this. So we are still on the waiting list. We could get a call literally anytime um, before our biological baby's born in June or right after, or it could take a year or more from now. We just don't know. Um, and even this week, we were contacted by our agency with the situation, and they ask each time, do mm-hmm. you want us to present your profile to this family? Mm-hmm. And it was very bizarre experience just to have this information. Um, my husband and I prayed, and then we right away looked at each other and said, okay, it's a yes for me, and we were both completely in unity on that decision. Um, and d- big, de- big and little decisions have mm-hmm. always been a sticking point for me because I'll second guess and question every uh-huh. possible thing that could go wrong. Um, but I was just amazed this week how easy it was and how at peace I was to say, yes, let's do this, and to be okay with the result either way. Either we're going to have a baby that's due soon um, or not. And that's only through God's grace and His strength in me. That's no no uh, power of my own doing that. Um, we did not get matched with that placement. She chose mm-hmm. a different family. Um, and we're just thankful for for her decision and the work that our adoption agency does with expecting moms. Um, so she's, she will be matched with a family that will love that baby and, and teach it to love the Lord. So mm-hmm. that's, that's all we could ask for in that. Um, so yeah, we've had people tell us we're brave to do what we're doing. We've had people tell us we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and I would say, I, I don't necessarily feel brave, but I just truly feel like it's God's grace working in me to, to be able to make that kind of a decision and, and be at peace with it, um, whatever the outcome. So I'm just excited to see how God writes the next part of my story and what our family might look like in the years to come. Um, with adoption soon or later on and just trusting him. I think that, man, just hearing that the whole timeline, all these different biblical examples of kind of what you guys walk through just started springing to my mind. And I love that your story kind of encompasses the, the, the different, I guess, speeds of associated with obedience. Hmm. So, Sometimes in life, we either, you know, feel like the Lord is pushing us in, in a direction or, you know, in, in the Old Testament, we have examples where he specifically spoke, you know, a promise over somebody. And so they start walking forward in obedience. So to me, I think of Sarah. So in a similar, similar situation, you know, the, the Lord spoke over Abraham and Sarah that, you know, I would make you a father of many nations. And that was, you know, literal and, you know, we know figuratively, but the literal portion, we know we're talking about, you know, pregnancy and adoption here. Mm -hmm. So we know that a literal manifestation of God answering that promise would be that Sarah would give birth because that's how nations were formed back then. And then there was a delay. So there was that initial promise and Abraham and Sarah start walking forward in this season of their life, living under this promise of something that's to come. And so they're walking in obedience and how you kind of mentioned that sometimes we get a little ahead of ourselves and we try to 
help God along with mm-hmm. his timeline and like, I God, I have some great ideas on how <laughs> we can get this to work. And, you know, he just, he says, you know, don't, I, I've, I've got this, like, don't, yes. don't worry. And then we see like plenty of examples in the Bible of how, when we try to take that ownership of executing God's promises, that it does not go well ever really. And we see how, you know, Abraham and Sarah made some not great decisions kind of in that period of waiting tied to their obedience. They made some bad decisions, but you also have that, that waiting period that you guys kind of had walked through where, you know, you felt this call to obedience, but then you kind of were waiting to see how God would um, move in that. But then you also had the period where you felt like God was calling you to act now and how often do we second guess that? Like, are are you sure? Like, <laughs> yes. wait, wait, I, I, I don't know about that. So it's like we, we oscillate between wanting to speed God's plans up and then being like, whoa, Lord, like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. And I just love hearing how you guys kind of walked along in obedience, you know, thinking, think, praying through these decisions. Like, no, I, the, the Lord's calling us to act on X, Y, Z now mm-hmm. and we we can't let you know people's questions about like does this really make sense for you guys like we can't let that kind of hamper what we know that the lord is calling us to do and i think that that global message applies to really any type of scenario that there there's probably going to be times in our life where we feel a call to immediate action the lord like blatantly shows us like hey i want you to do this and we have to act in faith that, you know, that's what he's called us to do. And whether it doesn't make sense financially or according to our perfectly laid plans, yes. that when we know that he has called us to do something, we we have to act. And um, one of the things that you said in the very beginning, um, you kind of contextualize some of those conversations that you and your husband were having just about like what was eternal Mm-hmm. And um, one of the th- one of the passages that I've been walking through is First um, Peter, and just really seeing how there's so much emphasis on the imperishable mm-hmm. and what is long lasting. And I think we as believers we need to contextualize those decisions. Like, does this have long term kingdom impact? Because everything in the short term doesn't really matter. It's what's, you know, what is God calling us to do that's impacting his kingdom for eternity. And one of the, one of the things that in the, in the recent section of first Peter that I was walking through it, it talks, it's, you know, the different submission sections, which can be a a rough subject to talk Mm -hmm. about. I I get it. Um, But it's interesting because at the end of the, the portion that's written to wives, the example that um, Peter gives as far as, you know, a woman who obeyed and, you know, was submissive and there's a lot, we don't have time to unpack what biblical submission really, really means because culture has just kind of distorted a lot, but it points, it points to Sarah that Sarah obeyed God or uh, obeyed God through obeying Abraham. And I'm studying this with some, some girls at school. And one of them pointed out like, huh, that's, an interesting, interesting person to 
pick out of all, you know, obviously Peter was a Jew, so he, you know, knew Jewish history. And of all all the women that I'm sure he was taught about, like Sarah's the one that he's kind of highlighting as, you know, the the a good example of submission. Cause we we hear a lot about Sarah in Genesis. And for those of you who may have um been doing the Dayton Women in the Word 365 reading plan. You know, we've spent spent a lot of time in Genesis. We read through all of Sarah and Abraham's story, and we see Sarah was a very vocal woman. She she had a lot of uh, opinions of what was going on and what wasn't going on until the Lord, you know, answered His promise. And so it's just interesting that in in the examples that we see in in print. I don't always feel that, you know, we necessarily see the best side of Sarah. There's, you know, just some interesting stories that we see kind of going along. And um, I was watching a teaching video uh, that Jen Jen Wilkin, um, it's her first Peter study that we're walking through. And in the teaching video for this, this session, she points back to how you know, we get a snippet of Sarah's personality and that she she doesn't hold back, obviously. You know, she she voices her opinion when she doesn't really see how this whole nation thing is going to work out since she is much, like, biologically past that point. You know, she shares her disbelief and she shares her kind of doubting mm-hmm. of what's going on. But we don't hear Sarah ever doubt, ever voicing a doubt or a disbelief when Isaac has arrived and God calls Abraham to sacrifice mm. Isaac. And so just that that lack of a response on her part shows that she she had finally gotten to the place where she like you said knew that God was faithful and like we see in Hebrews like he who promises faithful. She'd finally experienced that. And she could now trust this good and faithful God with whatever the outcome would be, whether that meant that that God would raise Isaac up from the dead or that he would spare his life. And I just, you know, thinking about that in that context, that she had all the all the freedom in the world to voice her opinion on that matter, but her silence reflects that she was now fully, fully all in on a all-powerful, mm-hmm. faithful, loving God who acts above our understanding but in this context of obedience and faithfulness Mm -hmm. and i see the echoes of that in the story that you shared yeah even when the what god is telling abraham to do at that time it doesn't make sense right to to our our way of understanding yeah um i'm i'm so encouraged by hearing um what you and your husband are walking through and just the changes that you're approaching with your family and even, you know, noting how maybe situations in, in your past kind of stir up some anxiety sometimes and not really knowing how everything's going to play out, but you're also clinging to this faithfulness of God who is calling you to do hard things and to do scary things mm-hmm. and that you're still walking forward in that obedience. Mm-hmm. So what, um, whether it's a waiting period of obedience of a, or a, no, act, act now, like emphasis added, act, act now. So do you have any, any other um, things that for a woman who might kind of be in either of those seasons of the waiting mm-hmm. or the, I'm being called to act definitively and act now, like, do you have any, any other sorts of things that the Lord is laying on your heart for a woman in that similar 
scenario? Yes, sure. Um, a couple things. One is that um, I just felt at one point God telling me I had to fully surrender everything that was keeping me from fully trusting him, whatever mm. that one last thing of I trust you as long as if this. If. Yes. Um, just recognizing that and letting go of it was was so powerful for me. Um, and just remembering that God is writing our stories the way he is on purpose, that it's for his purposes to point others to him, um, even if it's not the way we would choose to write our stories. Um, so for me, my weaknesses or my anxiety um, can actually be a good thing uh, because it's an opportunity to grow me in my faith in God and to, to show me his grace and, and work that for his glory. Um, so I would just say to, to encourage you in that, that his power is made perfect in our, in our weakness, whatever that is, the waiting or the tough times. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, in closing, just remind, reminding our listeners, wherever you are in, in a period of obedience where you're waiting or obedience where you're acting that, you know, when God calls us to something, he also equips us with mm-hmm. himself. So sometimes I think that equipping doesn't necessarily always look the way that we anticipate it looking, but he is not one to call us to something and then leave us hanging out to dry. So you can trust, like you mentioned, in this good and faithful God who is going to just allow us to be part of this story that he's writing. And, you know, he is, he has got over your story. He's got over my story. He's got over all of our listener stories and he loves us. So we can, we can trust him in that. So I'm excited to see what, what these next couple months are going to look like for your family Mm -hmm. and what God is going to do um, through your acts of obedience and how he's going to use that to just shout, shout his name and shout his gospel through your families and your house churches and everybody that you come to come to meet. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. For more resources and encouragement about how to go deep in God's Word, visit us at DaytonWomenInTheWord.com on Instagram and Facebook. May you dwell richly in His Word today, sister. Thank you.